50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter-looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of Jewel. Hi, Emmy. Can you believe that moments before we start recording, the Skims X Fendi collab is confirmed? Just another reason to record on Monday instead of Sunday nights, huh? I know last week was kind of, you know, Kardashian heavy and normally this is something that we would probably put in the recap, but it just happened. It does feel like really big news. And the thing that I personally can't get over is if you guys remember on October 12th, so about two weeks ago, there was a blind item. It came from this Twitter account, which was then submitted to Dumois that said, you know, this is not confirmed, but Skims X Fendi is in the works and there were photos. So somebody had taken photos from the showroom. And I remember you and I, when we were talking about it, saying like, this is very possible because it's very much on brand with something Kim would want to do. But a leak like this would be so uncommon because this doesn't really happen with the Kardashians projects. You know, everybody they work with not only are inner circle members, but also are under such strict NDAs. This would really be a rarity. And so do I think that this being leaked a little impacted the magnitude of the drop? Not at all. I think it will be wildly successful, but it's crazy. This, you know, we kind of had knowledge about this a few weeks ago. It is crazy that this got out. I mean, you're right. This does not happen. And I can't even imagine a scenario in which somebody decided it was worth it to leak this information. And I remember saying to you, and we sent it in the group, I was like, wow, somebody just got fired big time. That was one of the reasons where we weren't sure if it was 100% correct. And we didn't believe it right away necessarily because this doesn't happen. We were like, you know, maybe it isn't real. Maybe this is just a rumor that's being started because what are the chances that this level of information, not just as a rumor, but with pictures accompanying it would actually leak? Yeah. I mean, I have to wonder, I don't know if we'll ever get that information, but I would love to know who was responsible for that happening. And again, I'm sure they would be completely rid from any sort of Kardashian knowledge with anything business related. But, you know, the reason that to me, I think this is such a big deal is because really what it signals for 
where I think Kim wants Skims to go. You know, she's shown that she can have Kate Moss be the face of it. She can do a collaboration with the Olympics. She can capitalize on Megan Fox and Courtney being so of the moment. And she's, as we've discussed, really excels in marketing. But this feels so different to me because it's a completely different price point. And it really is matching a luxury brand. I think as Skims official statement said, it's combining the luxury of Fendi with the innovation of Skims. And I think for Kim, this happening probably was such solidification that what she thinks she's doing or what she wanted to do with this brand is really going in the right direction. Absolutely. I mean, also when you break it down, this is kind of exactly what Kim's career can be represented by. It's like the innovation of Kim combined with luxury. And so this collab makes so much sense. The only part of me that was hesitant with this collab when I first heard it was, I think you had made the point of saying like, you know, it's interesting to see her go with Fendi or to see this happening because she's been so loyal to Balenciaga. But then at the same time, Kim is one of those people that can wear a brand like Balenciaga over and over again. And she's not pigeonholed into that being her entire fashion identity. So when you break it down like that, it totally does make sense that she would, you know, be wearing Balenciaga in her own life and really repping that. And then in terms of business, she goes a different route and goes with Fendi. And I think it's an unbelievable collab. Yeah. And also, I mean, I so agree with you. I think when it comes to this level of fashion, she's playing the long game. But I also think, you know, that's not to say that something huge isn't coming with Balenciaga, first of all. And then second of all, this could just be a starting point. You know, she's going to have to see how her audience responds to this, how Fendi's audience responds to this, because I could absolutely see a Balenciaga X Skims collab. I could see, you know, Dior. Kim Jones, who's the artistic director of Couture and Women's Wear for Fendi, is also the artistic director for Dior Men's. So that's a whole thing. We also haven't even gotten into if Kim eventually does Skims for Men. She's toyed with it a little bit when she did kind of the boyfriend collection. What does that look like? You know, think about Savage X Fendi. They did a whole menswear line. So I just have so many thoughts on this because it's, to me, so much bigger than just this one collab. I think it's really about what it signifies. And I don't know if you saw Kim Jones's statement, but he basically said the idea came to him when he was in a meeting with his team and everybody goes silent at one point and they're all on their phones and he realizes they're all looking at the skims drop, which whether that actually happened or it's just this kind of beautiful anecdote to illustrate this, it doesn't really matter to me. I love the idea of it and, and that he sold me, but I just, I'm excited about this for Kim. Oh, I'm so excited about it. It's, it's big for her. It's huge. And you know, Skims is the type of product that we've watched become so successful. I mean, again, like I always say, every time we talk about it, I think you probably own every single thing that's ever graced that website. And it's received such great reviews and become such a huge part now of shapewear and fashion that to see it take this next step into luxury fashion and a luxury club seems almost natural, but also so rewarding. Yes. And also something I really like about this is the fact that way before Kim was ever this famous and way before it was anything she monetized, shapewear has been synonymous with her. She's always worn very form-fitting things that she felt needed you know, some shapewear to kind of suck her in and, and make her feel better in what she was wearing. And she's spoken about how at times she would be dyeing them with tea bags to match you know, her skin color, the color of the dress, or she'd be cutting them because they didn't, you know, accommodate for her having a slit in her dress. So then she ended up making her own brand. She made it so it only had one leg and the other one was shorter, you know, all of those things. But to me, it kind of, hear me out on this. I know I'm reaching a little, but it is 
feels kind of similar to me. To me, it's like she took shapewear, something that was a little bit more under-discussed. People wanted it to be subtle. I'm not going to say they were ashamed of it, but it wasn't, quote, cool. And not only did she make it cool, she made it so innovative. And I compare that a lot to what they've done with glam teams. You know how glam teams used to be this very behind-the-scenes, subtle thing that you wanted to show up on the red carpet, and it was as if like a fairy godmother got you ready, whereas now celebrities want their glam teams to be stars within themselves. And the glam team is an accessory to the look. You know, you're, you tag your makeup artist just like you would tag the designer. And I, to me, it's kind of all on the same wavelength in a little bit of a different way. I know exactly what you mean. Like, I think that makes perfect sense. And you're so right. I think in general, these types of collabs and not just Kardashian specific, I mean, across Hollywood are so exciting. And to see people working together and the innovation that's coming from not only the celebrities or the designers that are coming up with certain products, but to see how they can work with other people and who's on brand for them to work with and who represents them well. I mean, right now you're looking at Beyonce and Jay-Z for Tiffany. You're looking at Hailey Bieber for Tiffany. You're looking at all of these different collabs and these different celebrities who are placing their hands in the world of fashion and design and makeup. And it's really exciting to see, especially when you see something where you look at it and you're like, yes, that makes sense. That is so exciting and great and such a big deal. And that's how I feel about Kim and Fendi. Like, it's not just a big deal for her. It's such a big deal in terms of what it represents in culture and fashion and the way we look at celebrity and fashion. I couldn't agree more. And I do have to wonder, I know this is more of a conversation to have in the Kardashian rehab, which we can, because not everybody listening to this part cares, but the amount of DMs we got when this came out that said, like, I'm sorry. This is just what they said. Like, take notes, Kylie. It was very interesting, I have to say. Right. Well, interesting because I think that maybe in Kylie's head, I don't know, obviously, this is just me guessing. And I don't think she feels this way about Kim, but I think maybe the idea of a collab is like, okay, I need to lean on somebody else and I'm not willing to do that because I can sell my own products. Like I, you know, when you use members of your own family and you use your friends, it's still your product. It's not a collab that's leaning on any other area of Hollywood or fashion. It is still you pushing that product forward. And I think that if Kylie were to change her thinking in terms of doing collabs, there's a lot of amazing things that she could be doing that would really, I think, reinvigorate the brand. Yeah. See, I need to have a better understanding, and I'm so curious about this, how things changed when she partnered with Cody. And I know, you know, of course, I have to imagine that so much of what was in those legal agreements ensured that Kylie still had, you know, final say with certain creative elements of the brand. Like I can imagine how lengthy those write-ups were, but I, I just am curious because a lot of people have thought that since that acquisition, things have changed in kind of a negative way. And I do wonder how that plays into it all. Yeah, the acquisition is a great point because that is what a lot of people both on Twitter and in our DMs, I think we're discussing. And I don't know the details there. I mean, especially in terms of, you know, business relationships like that, it's hard to know the details unless you're directly involved. And also it could be that public perception of Kylie partnering with Cody, I guess, wasn't what people wanted to see. I don't know what it is, but I do think that things have been different since that happened. Definitely. 
Yeah. I'm not the, the issue. And the reason that I feel slightly less qualified to speak on that than I do on skims, like, and I've said this a million times, I'm not a consumer of Kylie cosmetics. I can't evaluate how the products have potentially changed or not. I don't, I can't speak about the new formula. You know, I've never used it. So I can't speak whether remarkable or not remarkable one way or another, whereas skims, I can tell you that shit is good. Right. It's just a huge deal. I am really thrilled for Kim. And I'm also, like you said, excited to see how this now manifests itself in terms of other luxury fashion houses and how they could partner with, you know, celebrities, brands in a way that may be a little bit more unexpected. Right. And it'll be interesting to see how something like this sells at a different price point. I mean, you've seen it with let's take Nike and designers who have collabed and come out with designer shoe brands. We see the way those sell. I mean, a Dior Air Jordan is one of the most expensive shoes that you could buy. A Nike at its regular price point isn't the most expensive shoe you could buy. So it'll be interesting to see if you could take something like shapewear and pajama and loungewear and elevate it to that level that it kind of has the same reaction on the market as a sneaker collab does. Right. And I think that the reason that Skims is set up for success in that way is one, because the actual product is good quality. You're not just buying it for the name. I mean, you're really not buying it for the name because most of their products are completely unrecognizable. You know, it's not like your plaster skims everywhere, first of all. And second of all, I really do think that it still has the cool factor. Whereas I think, you know, a Kylie Cosmetics and even a KKW Beauty, it doesn't necessarily have that same cool factor. I think right now skims has that. And I just am very curious to see how this plays itself out. And I think it's not just, you know, fun, of course, as a fan of Kim to see what she does, but also more so from like an analytical perspective and and her influence on culture. That's where it's really fun to look at something like this. I totally agree. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Can you believe how prominent of figures Olivia Munn and John Mulaney have become in our lives? If you had told me eight months ago that we would be saying those two names in conversation as often as we do... I don't think I would have believed you for a second. I know. And the crazy thing is, regardless of what happens with them in their relationship, they're factually having a child together. So those names will always be together in terms of our conversations. It's so funny because you have two 
celebrities who are now co-parenting. So they're obviously saying to each other, like, we're always going to be in each other's lives. And then the public is sitting there being like, and you're also always going to be in our lives. (laughs) It's not so dissimilar from Scott and Courtney when you really think about it. No, not at all. Since its inception, this has kind of just been a whirlwind. And really quick timeline recap. This is according to his timeline, which I know there are questions about. But according to him, him and his ex-wife, Anna-Marie Tendler, broke up around October of 2020. He goes to LA. Around April or May, he starts dating Olivia Munn. And then in July of this year, he files for divorce from his ex-wife. And it was in September when he was on Seth Meyers. And in addition to talking about his struggles with addiction and rehab, he also then confirms the relationship with Olivia and the pregnancy. It was then this weekend that rumors start to circulate that they have broken up. And there were some more blind items on Dumas, which we'll get into, but I want to read kind of the most, I guess you could say, G-rated account of the situation, which came in the form of an insider talking to Us Weekly. Take it with a grain of salt, but they said, quote, their relationship faces much uncertainty. It's been an imperfect relationship from the start. Even though Olivia is going to be a wonderful mother and has a great support behind her, her friends just don't see these two being a couple in a year's time. They'll make great parents, but nobody knows yet if they're going to do that together or apart. They still have to decide what kind of future they're going to have together, if any. It's a time of uncertainty for both of them. They're a long way from deciding and locking in what their relationship is going to be going forward. And then on Dumois, more blind items started to surface saying that the reason for the alleged split is because he cheated on her. So what do you think of all of this just at first glance? So my initial reaction here is, you know how sometimes celebrity breakups, you know, the news breaks and you're like, oh, wow, that's news. And then other times you're like, ooh, tea. This is a really good example for me of like, ooh, tea. Okay, but I want to clarify, do you feel that way based on what you think the accuracy of the claims are or more so just the general subject matter and the way that it's played out? Kind of both. I mean, I absolutely believe these blind items. On top of that, I feel like with the way this relationship has kind of been such a whirlwind, I don't think anybody was sitting here expecting this to really last. So it's not a situation where you hear about a breakup and you're like, oh my God, that's big news. It's like, oh, you know, we kind of expected this to be coming and now we're just finding out the reasons why. And and that's that's what's the tea to me. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want to go back to September when he was on Seth Meyers, because I remember you and I had this conversation both off the podcast and on it of like, we were so overwhelmingly happy for him, which I think most people were. And, you know, he talks about his accomplishments with sobriety and all of those things. And you're on one hand, so in awe of his vulnerability and his willingness to share. And so appreciative of that. And like, he's talking about this relationship with so much excitement and so much happiness and you want to be so happy for him. But I think also the part of you that's viewing this through the lens of it not being a celebrity and it just being, you know, a friend or a story that you would hear through one of your friends, you do have in the back of your mind that slight concern of like, holy shit, you just had such a chaotic year. Is this a little bit rushed of like, we don't want to be presumptuous. We obviously don't know these people at the same time though. Ah, this feels like a lot going on, especially given what you've just gone through. Right. And I think that is one of the most overwhelming sentiments here. And and listen, I'm not an addiction specialist. You're not an addiction specialist. We have not gone through this ourselves. So we're not going to pretend to know anything more than what we know. But with that being said, I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that's given in these circumstances that's, you know, somewhat common knowledge, I believe, if you have somewhat of an understanding of addiction and addiction recovery, is that entering a relationship 
during the first couple of months, first year of your recovery is really advised against. So when you were watching this and you were seeing John Mulaney talking about the circumstance and you saw him on Seth Meyers saying the words that, you know, Olivia and the baby, he felt like really saved him. You really had your reservations about that because it kind of went against everything you knew about. I know. And to be totally transparent with you, just in terms of us having this conversation, there is still a part of me, even though we're talking about it now, that feels uncomfortable even voicing that because it's so real for me. It was, of course, one of my first thoughts watching it. At the same time, though, here's this guy talking about how happy he is. It's like, who the fuck are we? But I think it's a legitimate thing that was being mentioned that we almost would be be remiss to not mention in the course of this conversation. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I think so. I also think, you know, a completely separate conversation, like what I'm about to say is separate from any of his accomplishments or struggles with sobriety, totally separate thing. Just in terms of the way that it was presented to the public, you know, the breakup with his ex-wife and the way that people had a lot of questions about if his timeline was the real one, that coupled with these rumors now that the reason for him apparently breaking up with Olivia is because he cheated on her. Tell me if you think this is accurate or if you think this is completely off. To me, the way that I view it is like when I think of John Mulaney, I think of such a beloved comedian and it's so well-respected in the industry and viewed as such a nice guy. And then when it comes to women, all of a sudden, I feel like he's being perceived with almost fuckboy energy. I think that is so unbelievably accurate. I'm glad you said the thing about the addiction being separate because it is a totally, totally different conversation that when you're talking about this kind of fuckboy energy that you're getting from him, that recovery, what he's gone through, his addiction has absolutely nothing to do with it. But when you're looking at his relationships and you take the contrast of his previous standup and everything you've kind of known about him in the past and the way he spoke about his now ex-wife and the way he spoke about relationships and women and to watch what's kind of playing out in terms of you know, not really believing his timeline with his ex-wife, the rumors that he had cheated on her, the public perception of how he ended that relationship and how he started a new one with Olivia Munn, you're getting an overwhelming amount of exactly fuckboy energy. And the public perception there is so different than what the public perception of John Mulaney a year and a half ago was. Right, right. And I personally, like as myself, I don't really have an opinion one way or another. I just have more so found it to be interesting to be almost a spectator, like in the court of Twitter, which is not necessarily accurate, but just in terms of the way that people, you know, speak on it. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, I, I cannot say I'm curious now without hearing the TikTok sound in my mind, Julie. I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I don't know. I mean, do you, you think that they have broken up or you think that it's, they're on the rocks confirmed? Listen, I, I don't know for sure. I would say struggling to figure out their next steps and attempting to see what their co-parenting relationship is going to be like, whether it's together or whether it's separate is definitely a conversation I'm sure is being had. AK, I'm sure not everything is like perfect in paradise there. Are they officially broken up? Did he definitely cheat on her? No, of course we don't have that information, but I think it's safe to assume that they don't have things hundred percent figured out because, you know, it's kind of like, how could they? How could they? I know it happened, I mean, rather quickly, which is just an objective fact. Right. You know, what you were saying in terms of the court of public opinion and the Twitter perception of him is such an interesting conversation because 
I would say there are really very few people who Twitter, specifically Twitter, places on a pedestal. So you have people like Timothy Chalamet, Adam Driver, Harry Styles. Those are all people that are so well revered by Twitter. And John Mulaney was always a name that was thrown into that conversation. And you've kind of watched Twitter not turn on him because I think there's still an overwhelming amount of love there for him. But, you know, the opinion on him is not what it was. And it was always interesting when the breakup was first announced with him and his ex-wife, because when you have a celebrity where their partner is not the famous person, it's very, very unusual that you would see overwhelming support go to the non-famous partner, no matter what the circumstances of the divorce or breakup were. And in this case, all the support really went to his ex-wife. And that was kind of the first clue in of like, John Mulaney's next steps are going to have to be incredibly calculated and well-received in order for Twitter to kind of change course there. Yeah. And when I think about it, if you kind of like put all the pieces together, I think it was a combination of a few things. I think it was one, the fact that he had been so open about their marriage and his standup and he had spoken so highly of her consistently, people felt like they had a little bit more of a right to have an opinion or they felt that they were a little bit more clued in, even though he's a relatively private person. But because so much of his you know, art and his comedy included that, I think there was that people felt like they had more of a seat at the table, which is unfair, but I understand why there was that thought process. And then second of all, I think that even though she is, you know, less famous than him, she also expresses herself in the form of her art specifically, you know, on her Instagram. And we've spoken about this before. And so she was posting these photos. There was one that wrote like dinner in July and you see her alone at the kitchen table looking so somber and so upset. And so I think she was feeding into what the thought that the public had was, which is like, she was blindsided and distraught. And she basically confirmed that. Even remember in her statement, it wasn't a joint statement, which is totally fine, but it's not what we're used to seeing. It was more like, I was floored by this decision, basically. So I think people felt like they had a more clear window into her mind than they had anticipated to. Yeah, you're totally right. And the other thing is that at the same time that you're watching people have these opinions on John Mulaney and watching people have their opinions on his relationship, everyone's also rooting for him. It's not usual that that happens and exists at the same time, but even despite whatever their opinions are of him and his relationships, they're so excited for him to be touring and doing comedy again. And they're so excited to be watching his recovery and rooting for him in all of the best ways and hoping that that continues and that he stays healthy and sober and happy. And so you know, it's, it's kind of not that those two things can't exist at the same time. I think that you can have opinions on somebody and, you know, want them to act a certain way with women in relationships and also root for them at the same time in the other areas of their lives. But I feel like with celebrities, a lot of times, something we've seen is that once the court of public opinions turns, it's turned and there's, it's very hard and difficult to get it back. And John Mulaney's one of those very few celebrities that's kind of floating in that middle ground. He is. And I, you know, I think it comes also, just to be quite frank, from how fucking funny he is. You know, it's like, 
aside from the fact that people do believe that he's a good person and, and the list of a million things, I think it's also like, this guy just makes me laugh so goddamn hard. How am I not going to root for him? I, you know, in its simplest form, which I know is not any sort of an eloquent statement, but I do think there's truth there. I think there absolutely is too. I also, you know, now that I'm thinking about this, it's a really important lesson in celebrity in general, I feel like, where we're so used to being like, ugh, you know, that celebrity disappointed me and now I'm done. Like now my view of that celebrity has changed forever and I and I can't get back on board. And I think John Mulaney here is a really interesting example of like, hey, your opinion can change of a celebrity. It doesn't mean you need to leave them behind. It just means that you no longer place them on that same pedestal, which is probably for the better. Well, that's what we talk about constantly. And you're right. He is a good example of it. It's like in an ideal world, nobody would be on a pedestal. And by the way, I'm including us in this. We definitely put people on them for sure. Like we're not above it. But you know, when you really think about it, you can never be so disappointed if you never had a certain level of expectation. But these people get so famous a lot of times so quickly. We see it the most with TikTok stars, or I would say, you know, young celebrities who are placed with this insane level of importance, specifically by their younger fans. And then they do one small thing and it's like the world comes crashing down. And that's not a sustainable model for anyone. So I definitely think having the ability to criticize or critique or even just question some choices yet have it not change your appreciation for their craft or how you view them as a person is actually really healthy. If anything, I think that that's a far more sustainable approach. I absolutely agree. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. I have to say, I'm always excited when somebody that I enjoy does the 73 questions. And then inevitably, most of the time, I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but you're a little bit underwhelmed just because it's inherently such an awkward thing. But Adele comes in and I think that she did this in the least awkward way that a 73 questions could be done. What do you think about that? That's exactly how I felt. It just, her personality shone through in this and it was exactly what we wanted to see. And again, the thing with Adele is we get such tiny glimpses that everything we do get is such a gift and such a great insight. So Maybe had Adele done a ton of other interviews and we had seen her constantly, we would think that the 73 questions here was 
just like another 73 questions. But because we get so little, it felt so exciting. It did. It weirdly felt very exciting. And also, you know, I know the focus wasn't on her home, but of course, anytime a celebrity does this, you are very tuned into looking at their home. And this may be a weird thing to say. To me, it was exactly what I would have anticipated her house to be like. Yeah, English cottage vibes, but gorgeous and so homey and well-decorated. First of all, I know that the homes aren't the point of the 73 questions, but they kind of are. They kind of are. I mean, listen, it's funny because it's directly contrasted with the Kylie one where one of the biggest criticisms was like, come on, we want to see your house so much. Why are you standing in one spot? You know? Right. Which was a fair criticism. Right. And Adele was walking around. We saw a little bit of the outside of the house. It was also 95 questions, which her next album is called 30. So 95 presumably is the albums added together, 30, 25, 21, 19. But I just had fun. I mean, did we find anything groundbreaking out? No, but in general, it's very similar to our conversation last week about this when she shows her more playful side, specifically because it's so contrasted with the intensity of her music. It's just so goddamn enjoyable. Like, I feel like I could watch her do anything. Oh, I totally could. I just feel like it's been great to have Adele in our orbit again. I know she's done, on top of the 73 questions, a couple of other Vogue things, a couple of other interviews. But just to even see her courtside at the Lakers game with her new boyfriend, it's like to have Adele as a piece of pop culture and have her so present right now when she typically is not, it feels so right. It did feel so right. And all of the brown leather with that LV coat and the bag. It, so I know you don't watch Beverly Hills, but so many people were saying like, that is the exact aesthetic that Doree Kemsley aspires to. I think Doree does a pretty good job as well, but Adele just knocked it out of the park. Like to me, that is the way that you wear labels without it feeling overdone or tacky. I just thought it was classy from top to bottom and sitting next to Rich Paul, they're just a hot couple. I fucking love it, Julie. And going back to the whole conversation just about being courtside, I honestly do not pay attention to basketball at all. I could watch any celeb sitting courtside and just watch it as a TV show. I can't even hear what they're saying. Just for the pairings, for the fashion, the aesthetic, to see it, it feels always like the most glamorous thing in Hollywood to be sitting courtside, specifically at a Lakers game. I mean, let me tell you something. I cannot tell you if my life depended on it, who played this week, who won, who lost, what's going on. I don't even play out. Like you could tell me that it was going to be the championship next week. I would believe it, but I could tell you exactly what Haley Kendall, Justin and Adele were all wearing to the games this week. And that's what matters in my book. <laughs> Listen, you know that that matters in my book as well. Listen, courtside is an aesthetic, no matter what it always has been. And it always will continue to be. And we missed so much of that during COVID. So to see it have its big resurgence again with those big names, especially this week, is huge. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. 
I'm honestly not really sure the best way to discuss this because it is just so tragic and so shocking. And I'm you know, sure everybody is aware by now, but last week on the set of Alec Baldwin's movie, Rust, he fired what he thought was a prop gun and he accidentally killed Helena Hutchins, who was the film's director of photography and injured Joel Souza, who was the movie's director. You hear this and of course, you know, your first reaction is just such sadness and heartbreak for the families and for everybody involved. And I know, you know, Helena's husband, Matt, had made a statement saying, Helena inspired us all with her passion and vision, and her legacy is too meaningful to encapsulate in words. Our loss is enormous, and we ask that the media please respect my family's privacy as we process our grief. We thank everyone for sharing images and stories of her life. And he then talked to the New York Post and said, I've spoken with Alec Baldwin, and he's being very supportive. Alec also tweeted about it, just offering his condolences and expressing his shock about the entire thing. I just, I know there's so many questions and how this could even happen and it feels so, almost impossible. And I think just today or yesterday, according to an affidavit that was given to Variety, this is from Joel, Alec was supposed to be handed a cold gun, meaning, you know, a gun that had no live rounds of ammunition. It was supposed to be checked by, you know, a couple of chains of command. I guess it wasn't. And both Joel and Helena were standing directly behind the camera to check the angle of the gun. And they repositioned then because there was some shadow and they were speaking with Alec. So when Alec went to demonstrate pulling out the weapon or how he planned to pull it out, Joel explained, and I quote, Joel explained Baldwin pointed the gun directly at the camera and fired, striking him in the shoulder and Helena Hutchins in the chest. And that is what happened. I just, this is so terrible and so unbelievably tragic. And I just, I can't express enough the depth of my sympathies for these families. It's so heartbreaking. It's one of those stories that doesn't even seem real because it seems like how you can't wrap your mind around the fact that this happened. And it's just, I think we've all felt that same level of just sadness and heartbreak and confusion and thinking about the families. And it's just such a tragedy and such an avoidable tragedy, which is the worst part. And it's it's really just awful. I obviously have to look this up more in depthly. I really only did a, a brief scan, but I was just curious about the protocols for gun safety on sets. And there was an article from the New York Times. I just want to read two paragraphs because I thought it was really interesting that said, quote, on film sets, the safety protocols for using guns are well-established and straightforward. Weapons must be tightly managed by licensed armors. Cast members should be trained in gun safety and live ammunition should never be used. Productions typically use real guns that are loaded with blanks, which can still be dangerous since they involve gunpowder, a cartridge, and paper wadding or wax, which provide a realistic looking flame and spark. And then it said, which I thought was really interesting, when people are injured by firearms on set, it usually involves a burn to the hand and they spoke with this guy, Daniel Leonard, who was an associate dean of Chapman University's film school. And he specializes in set procedures. And he was saying, you know, something had to have gone terribly wrong here. He said, quote, we'll have to see what the details are, but the industry has a very specific set of guidelines to follow to prevent something like this from happening. And of course, you know, the really only other example that comes to mind when people think about this is in 1993, when Brandon Lee, who's Bruce Lee's son, was shot and killed also on a movie set. So it's just absolutely tragic, and I cannot express enough how much our thoughts are with the families and really everybody involved in this, because it is such a tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. 
In terms of the Kardashian recap, I know we've had a very Kardashian heavy last week or so, but just a follow up to the Travis and Courtney thing, because did you see her Insta story where she posted in the same dress that she wore to the proposal? She posted it today, I think. And she said, we could go today, not knowing where I was going, but thankful for my Valentino dress, which confirms kind of our theory, which is like, she knew something was coming. I'm sure Travis said to her, we're going somewhere special. She had an idea that the engagement was happening, but that it was a surprise to an extent. I believe it was like fully a surprise. She probably thought she was going out to dinner or just going out for a special night with him. So what an amazing thing that it was a surprise for her. Which, by the way, we're going to see that then in the Hulu show, most likely, you know, like her not knowing where she's going. Maybe she's blindfolded. Who knows? I cannot stop thinking about the Hulu show and the behind the scenes. It is literally all I think about Em. Well, I wanted to say, because did you guys see Courtney's Instagram, the one where she was in the mirror and she like made the caption, the video camera emoji at Hulu. And everybody had the same reaction, which was one of just, wow, how fun is it to see a time where Courtney's excited about filming? You know, like you can see that this is not seeming like the misery that she had towards the later seasons of keeping up. She's so genuinely happy to be here. It must be that she is getting actual plot points. Like in the show, the last couple of seasons, it was either like Her plot point was a conversation with Scott that was miserable for her because she didn't want to have it. It was a fight with Kim or Chloe, miserable for her because she didn't want to have it. A forced Poosh thing, which she probably knew everyone like didn't care about as a plot on the show. Not that no one cares about Poosh, just didn't care about as a plot on the show. And that was kind of it. And it was like she was keeping, you know, her relationship with Eunice a secret when that was being filmed. So she didn't get to show that side of her off. So she must be so excited that she's doing a show kind of in a new way. And also her plot point is maybe the one that people are the most interested in right now. Absolutely are the most interested in. I really feel that way. I actually, I know these two things are so separate and I don't even necessarily like comparing them because like having a baby is such a blessing in general. But I think if you're looking at this from like, an analytics perspective, if there was a way to quantify this, I think the response to Kylie confirming pregnancy number two versus the Courtney Travis hype slash engagement hype would really be leading in the Courtney favor. Totally agree. Which like, is not to be said that people are not so happy for Kylie. And like I said, you can't compare an engagement with a pregnancy and that's not what I'm doing. But there was a time where anything Kylie did would garner more of a public reaction than anything Courtney did. And it's just interesting to see the way that people have really flocked to the fascination they have with this relationship, by the way, whether good or bad. I, sometimes I forget Kylie's even pregnant. I know. And I think a lot of that has to do with just her being a little bit more muted than normal. Right. Of course. And you saw Travis's tattoo with the scorpion and then Courtney's lips. Did I see it? Of course I saw it. How could you miss that? And I believe that big scorpion covers up Shanna's name on his arm. Yeah, I think so too. I don't know, guys. We will obviously keep you posted because there's so many questions. Who's going to walk Warney down the aisle? You know, what's that? where's the wedding? I mean, I have 8 million questions that I cannot wait until they're answered. But in the meantime, I'm just really enjoying watching the happiness that is literally radiating out of Courtney Kardashian. Me too, but I cannot wait to get some of those questions answered. And I think we really will. I think we will too. I think we will too. Is there anything else that you want to mention? I think that's it, kiddo. 
Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. We'll see you later this week. And thanks for letting us do this. We feel so lucky. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.